Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It is 2024, which I cannot believe uh, how quickly uh, 2023 went. I I think the saying goes, uh, the the days are long, but the years are short, something like that. And Mm. so, yeah, definitely that was the case for me in 2023. So good to be on with y'all today. Welcome to the Unfazed, Unedited Podcast where we provide commentary on complicated topics in an uncomplicated format. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold. I go by she, her, hers pronouns, and I am here with Dr. Lisa Ingerfield. How are you doing? And Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. Um, I'm doing okay. Still tentatively stepping into 2024. Um, I do feel like 23 just disappeared in the blink of an eye, and that is concerning (laughs) exactly yeah so uh well you know we're heading into my least favorite part of the year january february march um Mm -hmm. so um these three months will probably crawl along and then once we get to april things will probably like speed up particularly in 2024 because we've got some some big things happening uh in the world in 2024 that we will touch on here in a little bit so Yes. I guess without further ado, then we should probably jump in, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Speaking of that, though, I think to your great point of the year speeding up and so forth, we've got a lot to look forward to in the DEI space in 2024. We are already here. We're thinking about what we want to focus in on. And there are some things that we just will not be able to escape from. <laughs> and so I think there's at least three things that probably will come up um, for 2024 in particular. Of course, those of you who are long-standing listeners to Unfazed before it became Unfazed Unedited know that we were firmly planted in the endurance sports space when we first got started. And so, of course, we will not neglect Paris 2024. Um, Shakari Richardson, I'm all about that life right now, okay? I am all about the track and field space. Super excited to see how she does along with several other athletes that I've been following um, since they uh, since their world championships. And so, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting year for Paris, um, especially given that Paris was chosen from what Hamburg, Budapest, Rome and L.A. Uh, and they chose Paris. And so. I think it's going to be a really interesting summer. Um, I get so excited during that time of year because uh, track and field and, of course, swimming, they're just my all-time favorites. Like, they, I, I was a swimming Olympic swim fan before I even knew how to swim because they just made it look like it was the easiest thing ever. So you couldn't tell me that I wasn't, like, uh, uh, Michaela Phelps, as as it were. Um, and so, you know, I'm just really excited because they're my favorite sports. Now, I do watch Winter Olympics, um, but I have more names that I know in Summer Olympics. So, um, Lisa, I don't know if you're uh, ready to watch uh, Paris, but, you know, doesn't it just make you feel like you can live vicariously through these people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can definitely appreciate the swimming because, you know, I'm always like watching Katie Ledecky's stroke and I'm thinking, okay, like absorb absorb through the television her stroke so that I can then implement it in the pool. Of course, I cannot because she's just unbelievably fast and amazing. Although I think she has um, some competition coming into this Summer Olympics. But yes, you know, the, yes. yeah. So the, 
The thing that's striking me about the Summer Olympics is that this is the first time that the Olympics, the Summer Olympics at least, is going to have the same number of men and women athletes and the same number of events for men and women. So up until 2024, that has not been equal. Men have had more slots and more events. Um, So I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, it's pretty monumental. Shocking that it's happening in 24, but monumental nonetheless. nonetheless. Yeah, you you know, those moments are always bittersweet for people who think like you and I, Lisa, because on one hand, we're thrilled. And on the other hand, we're pissed off that we even have to be thrilled because it took this amount of time for it to happen. So eh, I, I'm grateful that it's happening. I'm grateful that the events are there. Um, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble by saying, oh, this is going to get interesting as the non-binary conversation continues to traverse the world. So yep, we'll yep, see yep. about that. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to watch that and always feel like I live vicariously. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing, too, of course, is that. I appreciate all the actors, actresses, those that are involved in entertaining us and creating art for us, um, especially as they emerged from, um, you know, a major protest for better pay, better benefits and so forth. I just, I'm grateful that the strike is over selfishly, uh, but also for them as well. And at the same time, I know that uh, completely opens the you know the floodgates of all of the art that was created before the strike that now we get to see um whether it's you know on your favorite streaming platform or what have you and a lot of it i, I would suggest that most of it uh, can hardly escape a dei lens you know so yeah you could possibly watch yep, uh yep. kindy's uh you know stamp from the beginning on netflix but there's also other things that uh like lisa we have been dabbling into black cake for example that is just a whole uh mixture of identity groups thoughts uh experiences so yeah i'm excited about that just from a entertainment perspective when i think i'm having some mental downtime and not thinking about DEI. I'm doing it, uh, <laughs> doing it subconsciously by watching fun stuff. Um, so I appreciate that floodgate opening as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, here we are, Lisa, back again, US presidential election. I mean, I know you you yep. got your degree in, in you know, US civics and all that good stuff and focusing on it. Y'all, we, we jokingly say, that she and I know more about each other's home countries than our own home country. So I'm all about the UK and she is all about the US and we just continue like informing each other on both, <laughs> which is incredible to me. Um, but yeah, we got another election coming up, Lisa, and I could hardly right, say right. that it's going to be less contentious than the past. No, it's going to be a big one. And I think we'll definitely have a lot to talk about on this podcast as, you know, as things progress. Obviously, we have the Iowa caucuses coming up here in about 14, 13 days. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens there with the Republican nomination. Um, But as we gain steam, as we move through the months, I think we are not going to be short of content, particularly because... um, Many of the candidates looking for the nomination on the Republican side are very eager to make 
cultural issues central, right? Because it fires up yes. the base. It's like yes. raw meat in many ways. Um, yes. And, you know, the other side of that is that it's harmful and hurtful and um, diminishes the civil rights of a number of groups in the US. So I think that unfortunately we are going to have a lot to discuss <laughs> that we're going to yeah. see manifest over the next several months. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to your point on that, um, one thing that I hadn't thought about, but you brought it to my memory and I've been uh, kind of reading and, and getting to know a few documents, but um, you know, this year, we just had the 75th anniversary of Human Rights Day and the Human Rights Initiative. And so I think what's interesting is that, isn't it interesting how Human Rights Day happened back in December of 2023, but it's kind of this revival to revisit those principles as we think about global interactions with the world. And so I'm even wondering how some of those thoughts are going to play into the U.S. presidential election of things that uh, many folks want to assume are a human right where others might debate that point, uh, even as they uh, run for office. And so, you know, that that to me is going to get interesting, too. Um, and then something I've been building up to because my uh, my bank account has been telling me we've been building up to it. Um, we are taking the boys on a educational trip to Japan. And I, I think I mentioned it in the uh, episode where we talked about uh, the possibility of ethical travel and so of course mm -hmm. we had yeah. already been planning yeah. for that for months before uh you sent me the great podcast on on being intentional about how we travel um and so that's coming up the end of june going into july and so i'm super excited to uh set foot on uh asian ground for the first time ever in life so this is going to be very interesting excited to see both the history and the technology that usually is kind of top tier um so super excited about that and you know seeing it myself but also seeing it through a soon to be 13 year old and 10 year olds perspective is going to be pretty cool too so yeah those are things i have to look forward to in in 2024 and uh you know mm -hmm. you and i can uh, Monday morning quarterback, all of it, if you like, together. Yes, that's the intention. And I think there's probably a thousand other things that are going to happen in 24 that we haven't highlighted here um, as we kind of grit our teeth and head into, into the year. But, um, you know, if any of you all listening to this have any particular issues that you are watching or you think that we should be paying attention to as well yes. do drop us a line and let us know that um you know because where yes. we sit at this early january date um you know there are some things we're probably missing because i think about our episode before when we were talking about dei annoyances from 2023 and i was like oh my gosh cast my mind back to january february march 23 i can't even remember what happened <laughs> So, right. yeah, right. Yeah. So I think that's, this is the opposite situation that I'm not projecting effectively through the year to know what we have coming, but I know that there are going to be big ones. Um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. your, your Japan trip and the joy that you have there and the joy with your kids being yeah. exposed to a different culture and having that experience of international travel, 
I think will counteract or act as a counterbalance for some of the less joyful DEI related issues that we are most likely going to stumble across in 2024. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm 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 holding my breath that that is true Lisa because I remember traveling uh when I traveled to Spain the summer before George HW was mm -hmm, elected mm -hmm. and most of the world was just not yeah. phased by Americans. Uh, so having a flag on your backpack or your bag or your hoodie or what have you was an interesting time then. And so it kind of mm -hmm. makes me think, ooh, this is going to be interesting traveling as an American during a year when, you know, it's very easy to be painted that the loudest voice that you hear through the media in other countries is assumed to be how everyone feels about everything. Right. Right, right. And that's just not true, of course, in any election cycle. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting traveling abroad um, for an extended period of time prior to a, a presidential election here. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. We'll see. Yeah, so that, that brings me to what I want to talk about into phase two, which is um, how the media covers contentious issues um several weeks ago i listened to a podcast about this and it has kind of stuck with me this whole time and there is this what how do i want to say like commitment to quote unquote balance um and this belief that if you present a balanced perspective so let's say to put it simply like two sides, right, of an argument. So you're presenting both that they're balanced and that is somehow fair and that is somehow objective. But I think what happens and what I'm worried about happening um, this year is that in pursuit of a balance and fairness, problematic and in some cases dangerous positions or arguments are going to be given the same weight as arguments that are much more rational and grounded and concerned about humanity and democracy, right? And so an example I can show to show this would be climate change. So climate change, the science is there, right? There are like a bazillion scientists who agree that the climate is changing and the increase in temperature among many other things is going to have catastrophic effects for the future of Earth, right? Like this is just accepted. So we don't see now really hardly at all an attempt to balance that perspective with climate deniers right with the people who are saying that it's made up that it's not real that this is just the natural cycle of things right because the truth of this is that the climate is changing and it's changing in a detrimental way and it is because of human intervention that it is changing right and so but i don't see that same um that same coverage with other issues where the truth is pretty clear, but they don't, but journalists or other media commentators don't want to seem biased or unbalanced. So they like elevate this other side, this quote unquote other side of the argument that is just terrifying. Right. And so what that does is it like diminishes the terrifyingness of it, if that makes sense. And I'm really nervous as we head into a presidential election, but also thinking about all those DEI pieces um, 
that we talked about in 2023, right? The fact that diversity officers are getting fired or that we can't talk about critical race theory anymore. Like school curriculums are being changed. Books are being banned. Like these are like, I think objectively terrible and scary things. And there's not really a equally level other side to that argument, right? Yet that's what I continue to see. So I don't know. That was kind of long-winded. I apologize. But I'm wondering what you think about that. Well, no, you're bringing up a great point, though, around trying to balance something that is inherently imbalanced. You know, there's there's no kind way to talk about certain oppression. There's no other other than excluding it entirely for, for many people. But, you know, how do you report on something from a balanced perspective that inherently is imbalanced. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of, I remember an undergrad, I wish I could remember the name of the book, but it was a book that was about economics, but it specifically talked about the economics of slave slavery as a economic system, right? And it wasn't even talking about specific African-American slavery because slavery existed all around the globe, you know? And so you could pick on, you know, whatever slavery version you wanted, but it was a book that gave specific economic understandings of if you, I don't know, decrease the cost of labor, then you increase the profit. It's literally, you know, plus and minus here. Um, And if you're talking about issues of human beings and their value, then there are certain things that you can never dress up. You know, it's that, that say you can't put lipstick on a pig. I think that's what the saying is. It's like, you can't dress it up. So Lisa, in your line of work, when you're talking about uh violence in particular whether it's domestic violence sexual violence uh intimate partner violence i'm i am not an expert the way you are but what i do know is that i'm not sure that it's possible to talk about any of that in a glowing positive way so how do you create a balanced story around an imbalance in power these are all imbalances in power and so i'm not quite sure that the effort of the media to balance something that's inherently imbalanced is a fruitful war to wage basically i i don't i'm not sure it it can or should be done yeah and i think this is just i just wanted to bring this up this episode because i think as we head into 24 we need to all do better to be critical consumers of the media right rather than just Uh, kind of like you know reading and accepting information and we've we've talked about this before on some archive episodes you know related to misinformation and disinformation but it's it's even it's more than that it's right it's how is a story constructed how is it communicated and are the quote-unquote two sides that are presented equivalent right because you know in the example you gave there around around slavery i mean what i what i'm hearing and and correct me if i'm not interpreting this correctly is like one side is that well slavery is an economic system that's really beneficial right and the other side of the argument is slavery is morally horrendous because it is enslaving humans um and they are owned by other humans. So by talking about the economic system as beneficial or useful, you've just elevated those two sides to be the same when they're not actually the same 
Uh, Not at all. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember even that author that wrote the book doing exactly what you just did, bracketing it by saying, I will never justify morally devaluing human beings. What I am doing as an economist is trying to share how folks got to a rationale. So it's kind of like saying, this is the morality of this conversation compared to my overall views. I'm giving you the math of it, even though every day, all day, and throughout the entirety of the book, cover to cover, I still will say this should not happen and should never happen. So, you know, I, I think, again, it's that power play. No, we cannot create equitable power in those conversations when it just simply does not exist. So, you know, I, I wonder from a media perspective, for those that even strive to entertain the idea of trying to make something balanced, where's the personal reflection there to say, this is not the right thing for me to do as a journalist. It, it's not even right yeah. for me to entertain yeah. the idea of having this discussion right now. Right. And this is like kind of, kind of rabid attachment to balance as though that is an ethical obligation and you're sidestepping any harm that you might be doing right like mm. it's not it's not it's not about balance it's about truth right truth is more truth is what you should be after and there isn't what's the opposite what's the other side to a truth a lie then so should we be elevating right. lies as having equal weight to truth and i know that that has happened right and so i think that mm. i feel like Focusing on balance is a rabbit hole that is a distraction that takes us off in the wrong direction because mm. we assume if something is not balanced, it's therefore biased. Well, not necessarily, right? And if we want to think about truth, um, and I know that there are yeah. <laughs> debates about what is and is not true, but back to the climate change, right? I think for the most part, <laughs> right, it's accepted that climate change is real and that is a truth right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that, yeah yeah so yeah absolutely well and you know to to your point on that um with the <laughs> you know folks trying to seek out this balance you know we've talked about this ad nauseum when it comes to the white supremacy mindset that it's invaluable if it's not balanced when there are certain things that are inherently imbalanced. And so looking for this perfection of balance, I'm like, mm, that's not gonna serve you well because you're going to underserve certain voices and overserve others. We, we usually talk about underserving folk and that we should continue to talk about that. But what about overserving? It's almost like saying, you know, a million people said this when it was only like two. Like you're overstating, you know, yeah, it, for, yeah. for the pursuit of this balance that's elusive. I'm like, no, I'm not going to overstate a value um, when it's just not there. So, yeah, I, I think it's problematic. And I think, uh, you know, as I continue to try to be a conscious consumer of information, news, media, so forth, it's it's such a great question that you're bringing up, Lisa. Now I'm going to look at the news like should we even be having this conversation? So it's, it's yes, what's the content, but why the content? Why are we having this conversation? Why does this topic need to come up? Um, yeah. So yeah, you got me thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, how does this, this kind of framework of balance basically minimize some really terrifying things, right? Like 
critics say, well, no, critics don't say, like, the vast majority of the population think this is terrifying, right? So you don't need right. to, like, third person it with critics say, right? So, yeah. Right. So I do think um, let's exactly. all be better, better at analyzing what we're seeing in the news this year because I think it's going Absolutely. to start to be very, very important as we move into into the absolutely. year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You said you uh, you're reminding me of my grandmother yelling at the TV. Why are you even covering this? Like that that probably will need to be our point. Why are you even covering this? Um, but let me get into something that I was covering at the end of the year. And there may have been some developments by the time this hits the airwaves, Lisa. But um, I have. <laughs> When your sons are in every sport under the sun, you kind of follow the pros in their sports. Um, and so have been following uh, Draymond Green and his indefinite suspension at the time, which I think is really interesting because, look, we're not talking about a player that has not and is not performing. You know, Draymond Green is a power forward, you know, four-time NBA champion. He's two-time Olympian. Uh, what I think three or four-time NBA All-Star. And back in December during a game, he struck the Phoenix Sun center Yusef Nurkic in the face while being guarded. Right, and I saw it. I actually saw it live because we had the game on at the time. And it was a flagrant foul, and he was ejected from the game, right? Now, you know, basketball players get physical. I mean, they don't get as physical as, as American football players, but they do get physical. But it's different when this is like your fifth or sixth uh, ejection, not just flagrant foul, ejection due to flagrant fouls. And so I think it's interesting when, you know, every franchise is its own business, but yet it still has its line to the NBA. It still has its line to the NBA Players Association. And with Draymond, I think it's been quite interesting, Lisa. And even if you had not seen it, even if you didn't even know who he was, consider professional player that has a history of ejections due to violence against teammates and non-teammates okay and now the story gets interesting because at what point does it get to a level that you have to figure out what to do and how to do it especially when you have someone that's being paid so much paid very well on a roster that is extremely expensive they're used to being champions and i'm like what happens when somebody gets hurt so badly that someone has to be held accountable at a higher level. I'm just, I'm floored by this brother that it, it just, it's very interesting. And people keep saying he needs help, he needs help. And I'm like, mm, let me think about that. Like, what do you mean think about it? Like when, or, or I guess when they say he needs help, what are they meaning? Well, I'm taking it as like, even when it comes to, you know, major, uh, commentators on, you know, ESPN, so forth. It's the assumption that it is a mental health concern that he needs help with. Now, I don't know. It could be whether it's, you know, maybe it's his professional life as a player and something 
under some layers in his personal life that's causing this behavior, et cetera. But what's interesting is, I think it was Charles Barkley that brought up the point that you see Draymond being violent outside of basketball and off the hardwood. It is very clear that it's happening there and nowhere else. It's not like he's, mm. you know, at the club after the game, having a good time with a couple of drinks and he's being violent there or, okay. you know, what have okay. you. It is solely connected to basketball. And so the assumption is he needs counseling. He needs some type of mental health intervention, so forth. And I don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, and part of that is because the after game interviews that he continues to have he is not remorseful and he is not apologetic he makes it very clear yes i did that no i will not apologize i don't apologize for anything that i do it happened and this is how i play that to me escapes the need or the wraparound of he needs help because this is a mental health concern. And my fear is that someone that is, I myself am a professional coach. It freaks me out a little bit because I've been that person that was called in to coach someone about behavior, whether it was coaching or it rose to the level of a mental health concern where you brought in a mental health mm -hmm. professional. You're not going to see change from someone who does not see a need for change. He feels like this is just physical play and this is how it works. Okay. Okay. So you're not supporting the behavior, but you, what you're saying is the categorization of the behavior is perhaps mental health related is likely not it based on what you're observing. I don't think it's it. I don't think it's it. it it's not like, oh, you know, Draymond just snaps on people. You know, well, mm -hmm. It's very clearly in a basketball context. It's not happening anywhere else. This is a choice. And so, you know, it, it's not as if, oh, he, he literally was almost unconscionable outside of himself and then he snaps back and, oh my God, I struck someone. No, he's very clear, I did that. That's it, I did that. And so to me, the, the lack of remorse, it gets interesting because the, uh, the punitive nature of all the feedback, it just keeps rising. And so the NBA has tried to keep its hands off of it in order for the Golden State Warriors to handle it as a ball club. Well, it the behavior just continues on. And so it's like, okay, Warriors, you're not going to handle it. Now the NBA has to handle it. Mm. Now the NBA is saying, okay, you're suspended indefinitely, which to me connotes okay if you're suspended indefinitely the clock is ticking your money is missing and it's based on certain uh benchmarks of behavioral change this man has told y'all he does not see a need to change his behavior so why would you build in time to expect change of behavior so now i feel like shit. if i were uh adam silver the uh commissioner of the nba I guess y'all are going to just have to keep him suspended until the contract rides itself out. I don't know how many years are left, but there are years left. Ride it out because this person does not see a need for behavioral change. Interesting. I, I think it's the most fascinating case. And I think it gets even more fascinating since we were just talking about media. 
I think it gets even more fascinating because every picture that I see on the media, when they're not playing the clip of the actual offense, um, the clips of the media have him looking like the stereotypical, angry, loose cannon, black man. Mm -hmm. And I'm not okay with that stereotype at all. And at the same time, is his behavior feeding a stereotype that I don't want to succumb to? Interesting. It's very so the fascinating. media is only presenting him in one way um, that feeds into white created stereotypes about black men. And yet he is not remorseful about his behavior. And so is himself mm -hmm. feeding into that stereotype. Do you think there's any intentionality there on his part where he's like, well, fuck it. This is the only way I'm represented. So I'm just going to lean into it. Like, See, despite that's you. what I wonder. That's what I, but, and I hear you on that. I wonder too, and I think that can be some of the case, but you know, at one point, at what point, because we're talking about business and we're talking about lots of money. At what point have you made so much money already that hundreds of thousands of dollars not being there doesn't matter to you anymore? Mm. Like, you know, every game is a loss in paycheck. Every game you don't play is a loss in paycheck and every fine is a loss in money. Let me tell you something. No, the, the, the amount of fines that he is paying is more than most people will ever wow. witness in life. Wow. And he's still okay with it. And so when I think about, so last week I did a training and we always include the art of the apology, how to apologize for bad behavior, especially when it comes to DEI topics. And he is complete opposite of every single tenet of an appropriate apology based on the science. So when Ohio State did their study and they had like six elements of an effective apology and the goal is to have as many of those six elements as possible, none of them. He, he has the worst apologies known to anybody. Okay, he does not regret what he did. He doesn't explain what went wrong because he doesn't think anything went wrong doesn't take responsibility for his behavior will not ever change he's made it clear i will not change my behavior he has not offered to change it or repair anything none of it he he ever all of the six he works completely against and i'm like how is that amplified when you show up Yes, yeah, I know yeah. the league is overwhelmingly men of color, but how does that show up when you're in the media, you're a very recognizable face and you show up as a 6'6 African-American male? Yeah. It shows up yes, differently. This, yeah, it's so complicated, right? Because it's not self-serving, his behavior. Like it's, you know, he's yeah. not getting anything from it, but I could see why he would be like, well, if this is what you think of me, then this is what you're going to get. And so it just kind of compounds every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, yeah. you know, like it's, it's detrimental in terms of the way in which that stereotype is getting perpetuated in people's minds. And what we talked about AI on the last episode and the way oh, that, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. AI amplifies stereotype and it sounds like whether he's intentionally doing it or not that's what's happening here and what do yeah what do you do about that as a team as the nba um and the nba is run by white people right 
like a friend of mine wrote her dissertation on the NBA being one of the most racist business organizations in the country um, because of the ways in which it's owned and run primarily by white people and a va the vast majority of players are African-American. And so, I mean, you could say the mm. same for the NFL, right? Like there's some highly problematic racial dynamics going on there in terms of who has power and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you obviously have a lot of very well off men of color that are playing, but obviously the owners and the people are, that are writing the checks make much more than they do. So yeah. 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 Compared to the rest of the world, you are extremely well off, but compared to the owners, not as much. So, you know, I, I am, I was just thinking about how it's, you know, feeding into that stereotype, even when it comes to the NBA uh, Players Association, who was also overwhelmingly men of color and, you know, they being kind of the a governing body that gets to weigh in on um, opinions and try to help guide or advise uh, the commissioner in the front office of the NBA. Well, it is exactly right. that advising. It's not mandating. So even their power is to a point you know so yeah anyway well an individual men of color having wealth isn't the same as systemic power for exactly. people of color in the united states right and i think that gets mistaken right like well exactly you have money so you have power well to some degree but not really when we think about you know small fish, big pond kind of thing. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, we got to, we gave you a lot to think about in this episode, <laughs> we um, did. particularly the, the second two phases there. I think I need to think about this NBA one more because I do not follow the NBA. So I am not connected to that, but I do think it's an interesting and very complex situation when you kind of factor in um, stereotypes, mm -hmm. apologies, remorse, mental health, you know what's going on what else is going on there and then of course racism on top of that so well we just started you off there with a big bang for 2024 um that got deep and complicated pretty quickly <laughs> real quick real quick yes yes yeah. yes so uh well i hope that you all enjoyed this first episode of 2024 and you are looking forward to a big and banner year as as shauna and i are but um <laughs> Yeah. I ask you this every week, Shauna, but how can folks get a hold of us? Yeah, well, we're going to keep telling them, Lisa. We're going to keep telling them. Make sure you go to YouTube and find us, Unfazed, Unedited, with the brackets around the un and unfazed. Unfazed, Unedited, find us there, comment, like, share with other folks. Also, uh, you can find us on Instagram, Unfazed Pod. LinkedIn, you can find us there as well, the Unfazed Pod. And I really enjoyed the LinkedIn page because that's where you get to see what we're thinking about in between episodes. So make sure that you uh, get filled in there on LinkedIn. If you have a question or something that you would like for us to discuss on the podcast, we've done that before. Send us an email at info at unfazedpodcast.com. It comes straight to us and we can see what your question or comment is. Check out our website 
unfazedpodcast.com where you can find both the 115 in the archive as well as our new shows. But we always encourage you, please make sure you leave a review um, of the podcast, like, subscribe, all of that. More importantly, we think that oftentimes this is great fodder for conversation in your professional world. Um, so please take that with you back to your coworkers. Um, you might feel a little bit skittish about bringing up a topic. Well, you can put it on me and Lisa. If we bring up the topic, tell folks to listen to it and then you can start from there, right? Um, yeah. but please share this with folks in other phases of your life. Uh, so happy new year and until next week. All right, see you next week.